Hello folks and welcome back to Views from the 405. This is episode 8, the first of 2018 and the first in two months. Yeah, it's been a while, but we're coming back. I mean, we we, we put in all this hype about we were going to do our albums of the year, etc. But I mean, we hadn't. there were enough of those, enough content on the end of the year. And our, our overall number one would have been the same as everyone else's. So. Yeah, that was infinite content anyway. So we come back in February 2018 with a slightly new format. We've decided we were doing it irregularly before, just whenever we could. But I think we're going to try and do it monthly now. Looking back on the previous month, so obviously we're early February, so we're going to look back on January 2018. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of January 2018 as a whole? I thought it was okay. There never January is always a bit of an awkward time for album releases, especially since the first one isn't till the ninth, and then oh yeah. like. It, everything sort of gets penciled in. There's no, no real space for it to breathe necessarily. Yeah. Um, but there are. I mean, the exciting albums did start to come, especially towards the end of the month. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the ones we'll talk about came out on the on the twenty sixth or whatever it was, the yeah. last release yeah. day in February. Um, but I mean, outside of music, we got to one year in the Trump administration. Yeah. Had all that rubbish with the book and all that. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's been a lot, a lot, has, a lot has happened since last we last we spoke. Yeah, uh, Christmas. Christmas has happened, happened again. It did happen Went again. Off without a hitch again. once more. Yeah, it's over a month ago now. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, yeah, we just. Uh, you know what else happened? The Grammys. Ah yes, yes. The first, the first great segue of 2018 has, yeah. has, has happened. Well, so, I mean, how could we not talk about the Grammys, the yeah. most important event in the music calendar? Is it not? Karen? That, and entirely, and entirely informs taste, opinion, everything. And it's such, it's such a the its greatest asset is how egalitarian and progressive it is. Mm. Isn't isn't that right, Rob? Should we just run down the list of female winners this, at this year's Grammys? I mean, I mean, we could be here a while, but go ahead. Scissor. That's it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Oh, that's that's unfortunate. I did not. I did not realize that had happened. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> and um, so when obviously they were criticised about this, many people thought Lord should have won Album of the Year at least, or some of the other female uh, competitors who were up for awards should have won. But only Scissor walked away with a win. Um, and uh, the president of the Grammys. He told women, female musicians, that they need to step up if they want to uh, <laughs> win more Grammys or be more. They, he thinks that male performers are on a higher level than females, obviously, which just goes to show how out of touch he is politically, musically, you know, ethically. It's yeah, it's it's very strange because in every other context, like across well the music media across like the charts and every other context that's it is everyone's been celebrating how women are now dominating pop but they're also dominating a lot of the other genres the grammys tackle like indie rock and and the alternative scenes and obviously rap and r&b as well with like cardi b success and everything that's and scissor of course which they did to their credit recognized a very tiny credit um it's just it's just surreal that that this is happening because it's just so removed from, I guess our our version as music fans, and I get our looking at the the pop world and everything is, it just feels so isolated from reality, basically. 
Well, I mean, if we ever thought the Grammys were relevant, I don't think we do anymore. But is the Grammys the kind of thing where they can kind of overthrow the board, bring in some hip new president who can change things, start nominating, you know, more independent albums? Or but is it just... The, the Academy did it um, the, for the Oscars and everything after the Oscars So White movement. Oh, really? Um, like, they, they brought in... I could all think they can dismiss people, but they brought in... A lot more, like um, younger, more diverse people, more, more people of color, more women, um, and I think that reflected in Get Out, uh, not Get Out, Moonlight, and in the nominations for this year so far. Um, yeah, we've seen Get Out get a nomination. Yeah, uh, ho- hopefully I win as well. Personally, I'd, uh, that would be cool. I have to think it's an outsider there. Yeah, as long as it's not three billboards, I have so many issues with. That. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, if three billboards win, we, we'll talk about it in the February. Yeah, well, well, what would say? So Get Out is your favorite. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd like that for it's the the like the story behind it uh, for one thing, and because I guess like the two things is first of all, it'd be great if on the back of Moonlight we had another film about the, like the African American experience to win successively. Um, secondly, the actual story behind it, all the stuff about like um, liberal racism and implicit racism and everything, it's it's a very important story, especially since <laughs> these are the, the characters it satirises and the culture it subverts are probably the people in charge of the academy as well, which is yeah. quite funny. Uh, the sort of liber- the liberal uh, intelligentsia. Um, but underneath all that, none oh, of yeah, that yeah. works if it's not just a really well-written, uh, taught thrilling film well exactly it's a it's a perfect film i don't know how you could do better and it's so layered and intelligent but entertaining as well yeah like it's it's so perfect perfectly curated as a as a work is fantastic yeah so all right all right we've gone off the topic views from the four or five officially endorses get out for best picture in 2018 yeah. check back in Feb- in march to see how we did best actor we're going to predict that best actor um, best actress uh, I, I really think Francis McDormand could and should win. I think Francis McDormand should win. I think it's going to be Daniel Day-Lewis, but it should be I've Timothy Chalamet. I've twice now, and he is pretty great. Yeah. Who do you think it should be? Uh, Timothy Chalamet. From Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Oh, it's so good. All right, All right. back to <laughs> music. Forget about the Grammys. Well, hopefully they'll do a, an Oscar thing and diversify a little bit but we'll wait and see on the, that the, the only awards that matter were the four or five best of your list that's all the that's all yeah, the phrase lord got her lord got her dues she on did that. and scissor did and we must have had some other women well yeah we had, we had kalela on that kalela all right so many uh and my favorite album of the year which is now yeah we won't talk about it for a while yet lucy oh, yeah. dacus second oh, yeah, yeah. camp cope also a woman, female you know they are making the best music. Well, they are making the best music. Like, it's the, I guess there was that slightly controversial New York piece, which argued they had the New York, New York Times piece, sorry, where they had 12 women come together and just chat about how much they loved each other's music, um, which in one way is progressive, is like quite exciting because it is celebrating women in indie rock, historically hyper-masculine movement of music. Um, but then there's there's the counter argument that says we shouldn't these pieces shouldn't have to exist. Yeah. Like the 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 idea of it, that this is like some aff- affirmative action. So which side do you come down on that? Because I, I can see I can see both sides. I can certainly see why yeah it shouldn't exist. But the fact is, 
there is a, a, yeah. a, a, a unbalanced and why not have these pieces if they're interesting yeah. yeah if they make good content why not yeah and uh, it is exposing is what i find is interesting is like the the six music dads you know the guys in their the 40s and 50s who grew up with um you know like like with punk and Britpop, um and they've never really with 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 two like some mixed up bands like Bikini Kill and Hole and stuff like that, they have set, listened to some female rock or female rock bands, but there's not been this like monopoly of them. Like it's no. it is it is you could say it's an inarguable fact that most that most good rock bands at the moment are women or LGBTQ as well. Yeah. Um. It's 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 which is which is great but like the and you know as these these you know these six music dads are exposed to these bands they are they are really liking them and articles like the new york times pitch um it might not necessarily be for us for you know like um well we are, are we consider ourselves well-informed music media types they are for you know people who consider themselves rock fans and learning about these great women um, or for women themselves getting that exposure and everything like that um, so I think it's, it's the target audience is the cause for concern there, I don't know hmm. something to think about I brought in this letter to let you know I'm really leaving and no I'm not keeping your shit, heard you got some new homies, got some new hobbies even a new home too Maybe she can come help you. Maybe she can come lick you. After we're done, what's done is done. I don't want nothing else to do with it. Well, the Grammys should have picked Lord as their album of the year. Yes. But uh, we will be seeing Lord. Me for the first time. You for the first time. For the first time. At Primavera Sound yeah. 2018. Yeah. Which brings us on to our next news piece. New festival lineup announcements, which is something we can nerd out about. I mean, a month or two ago, at the start of the year, when the big festivals were announced, like Coachella and Bonner and all that, everyone was saying, "Oh, these lineups have gone stale. It's terrible. Uh, festivals have reached uh, a certain point where there's just no good headliners anymore. They're all picking the same headliners." And then, come to the like second tier if you want to call it that, of festivals with Primavera, Field Day, End of the Road, all announcing amazing lineups. I mean, I don't think it's just my taste. I think they're genuinely yeah. amazing lineups yeah. for anyone. Yeah, absolutely. And Field, Field Day have absolutely nailed it as well because their taste is they have electronic music, they've got dance music, and they've also got like R&B and rap as like a side, as a side to that. Um, and obviously getting Erica Badu yeah, that's with... A with Fever Ray, and I might. Do you reckon those are the two headliners, Fever Ray and Erica? Bannon? They are doing two days, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think those will be, those will be the headliners yeah. for sure. So imagine if we went la- we went last year, and their um, the the big tent. What, what was it? The, the, the call it? barn. The barn. Yeah, that was absolutely incredible. Oh, they got Panda Bear as well. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not asked. Me Panda neither. Bear. But he's a big name. He could yeah. be a contender yeah. for headliner. And then yeah, lots of interesting. Like Helena Howe, Float- Floating Points, Daphne, and. Um, lo- uh, Forte. I'm all seeing at least three times this year already. They got L sweatshirt. Yeah, that would that, be cool. Charlotte Gainsbourg. DJ Seinfeld. It's, it's a really But cool the question remains about uh, the new venue of Brockwell Park. Yeah. Because there was the issue last year of Sunfall, which tried to start itself as a new 
a, a bit new big name electronic festival which took a Brockwell part yeah and it was a disaster and the cleanup took weeks and the residents were really reticent there was like rumors that field day wasn't going to happen this year that's which why the li- <laughs> there was nothing about the lineup until a few days ago um when Fortet leaked it which was funny um but I think the that's a very sort of firmly gentrified middle class area. Yeah, it's just not a great park. I went no. to Found Festival there in twenty sixteen, I think, and it's just really uneven. Mm. Uh, the grass isn't well tended to. It's really long. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe with a little bit of TLC and the mm. right setup, it could be fine. Yeah, but I don't. Know, it didn't seem that big either. The space. Maybe Field Day will have more space, but. If I found it was quite small. But anyway, if they fit in the barn on there, it's got to be. Yeah, I guess it's got to fit some space. Anyway, we won't be going to Field Day this year, no, certainly, we because we will be in Barcelona, yep. as we said, for Primavera, who, as usual, absolutely smashed out the park with their lineup. I feel like I want to see ninety percent of the bands on there. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, and and as as you know, typical for uh, Primavera is the the like the spread is insane like the electronic artists alone you'd you'd go to that three-day festival with electronic artists but then you've got the you're just looking looking through it now when you have you you got it jason uh joanne johansson john mouse john talbot john hopkins georgia smith Josie Bell, Jalen, your album of J- the year. I'm album, very yeah, Jaylen, about James that. Holden, and those are the artists with j that's yeah. the start with j <laughs> just it's, the j it's, artists it's, it's mental it's ridiculous and then, like, I just look at the stuff like the Seth Troxler deep disco set with class. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't think I'm going to sleep. No, I, I, I don't know how I have to. Uh, I mean, the big names, they don't, the poster I like for um, Primavera because they don't really, on well, most of them, they don't isolate like big names and make them the headliners. But I guess if you were going to pick them out, there, Arctic Monkeys, who I'm excited to see. Yeah. I know you're not a fan. War on Drugs, I'm excited to see them. Yeah. The National should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the only thing is, there's so much else going on. Could easily clash. There's going to be awful clashes, but as like typical, it will be great. We need to book accommodation soon we before do. before we'll it gets. I guess. Carl uh, Dixon and Michael Stein performing the music of Stranger Things. DJ no. Cozy. I mean, it, Licky Lee and so Lord. so when I saw again. Alex Lahey's in there. Yeah, there's so, like, I've, I've, there's so many I've just not picked up on. Staples will be class this year again. It's literally this happens oh, every right. year with Primavera, but every time you look at the lineup, you notice something you didn't notice yeah. before. Every single time, UMO. Did you hear the new Unknown Mortal Orchestra song? Uh, American I did, I did. Guilt is really very cool. good. Yeah. Uh, excited to see what they do. Next. Yeah, I, d- I don't know if I would. Uh, since I'm doing accreditation for it, like the floating points six hour DJ set. You got Daphne for, like as I say, like I'll be seeing Floating Points, Forte and Daphne at least three times each this year, as as scheduled, possibly more. Well you guys but, see them every festival you go to, even if they clash with other stuff. possibly. Hey. Well I, I, they are, I'm like quite bad fanboyish about it. Um <laughs> Nick Cave, I'm excited yeah, for Yeah, Nick Cave will be cool. Uh Grizzly Bear, I haven't seen for a while. One of Tricks Point Never, always oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Nils Fram, who we'll talk about some more yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His, uh, He'll be very Wolf Parade would be cool yeah. as well. Didn't you see Wolf Parade? No. Did you not go? I the the ticket the post lost my ticket. What? Yeah. There was nothing you could do about it. No, they said they couldn't get me another one on the door. Sadly. What? Yeah. That's bullshit. They didn't even they didn't reimburse me though, which was. So you got absolutely nothing. I got nothing. Wow, yeah, that is a sad story. That's did that happen between our last podcast and now? I think it did, yeah. Wow. So that's a that's a tragedy that's befallen me. Wow. Um, but yeah, Prima looks really cool. So I've got uh, well, my personal uh, festival plan. I'm going to try and do four this year. But the most I've done any year. 
Um, take advantage of that sweet, sweet accreditation game. Um, I'm going to try and do Primavera at the end of May, then Far Festival at the beginning of July, Houghton Festival at the beginning of August, and then End of the Road at the end of August. Yeah. Which will hopefully be very, that's very good. Let's talk about the end of the road lineup. Yeah. Vampire Weekends, first, uh, first UK appearance in four years. Yeah, I mean they probably haven't played anywhere in four years. No, and this is without Rostam now. I hope. I wonder. Yeah. If I expect they'll have new music out by then. It'll yeah. be interesting I to think, see. I think they've said they've, nailed, they've got our album nearly finished. Very curious to see what they'll be like without Rostam. Uh, Saint Vincent, who I think you called as a potential headliner. Yeah, yeah. I think if you go back road. to the views from the five archives, I yeah. put Saint Vincent as a possible. Should have put some money on it. Should have done. I wonder if there's any bookie that would take that. Yeah, there's the. The po- the probable class you 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 you'll think that you're quite upset about. Well, between Feist and Yellow Tango, yeah. yeah. If I go to that, I'll have a really tough time picking because I obviously Yellow Tango one of my favourite bands ever, but I've seen them a number of times and I've never seen Feist, uh, who I do love a lot as well. Um, the new Yellow Tango album's quite interesting, but we'll come to that in time. Uh, Jeff Tweedy will be good. John Cale and I. Th- as we said on text, the the smaller names yeah. are the ones that really excite yeah. me, like go. Snail Mail, who we saw a few yeah. weeks ago, and she blew us away. It'd be cool to you see go. her with a full band. Yeah, Julian Baker again, yeah. Damien Jurado, Caitlin Aurelia Smith, Richard Dawson. Yeah, uh, and Nilifa Yanya, who's new. Oh yeah, we yeah, just yeah, watched. yeah, of course. Uh, and then obviously Proto Martyr, Idols, Hookworms, James Holden. I mean that's um, hardcore. Yeah, it's it is phenomenal. I'm very big thief. Yeah, yeah. I mean seriously, Aldous Harding as well. That'd be good. I need to uh, both Primavera end of the road. I need to split into three so I can see everything I want to see. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. So yeah. all that tosh about festivals being uninspired this year. Well, to be fair, that was more Americanized, wasn't it? Yeah, that I was guess more, so. Whereas the UK just keeps trundling on. Yeah the UK but uh, yeah I guess because in the UK the big festivals are like B-Festival and stuff which we yeah. would never go to anyway mm. well I think it's End of the Road is independent isn't it is it I don't know um, it may not be um, but like obviously if it's financed it's financed very well yeah. whereas if you you look at, at the I guess it's a similar thing if I'm going to use a heavy handed analogy to a football where football is run by super agents I guess Oh, in yeah. the US, like festivals are administrated by, I guess, like super labels or super yeah, management. That's true. Um, where the, there's like all the same art, same big pasta artists headline every festival. Say um, pasta artists. Past it. <laughs> past it. Not, uh, not, pa- not pasta. I would love to see a pasta artist headline. DJ Coachella. Pa- DJ Pasta sounds like something that would just be playing the, the art cafe and the war- the warm up the warm up DJ. I was just imagining a guy making fresh pasta on stage and then serving it in big bowls to the crowd and everyone just eating together fresh pasta. Uh, you'd have to pay have to pay fifteen quid for that. <laughs> so well, who knows? <laughs> Maybe it comes with the ticket to yeah, the festival. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Anyway, enough nonsense. Yeah. Should we talk about January when Jan- January yeah, window? Oh my god! Uh, yeah. You can tell what's been on my mind through January. 
the yeah. January window. Let, let's let's have some. Uh, Jan- what music were you listening to while uh, uh, refreshing the uh, BBC Live blog? I just I completely lost it with the whole thing with the whole Arsenal transfers during January. I didn't know whether I was happy about Sanchez going, Mkhitaryan coming. Was it Bamiyang going to happen? I mean, and then I just thought I'd just wait until the last day and see. And there we go, Mkhitaryan and Bamiyang in. It's looking good. And, and uh, what music soothed you during that stressful period? Oh, uh, well, many things that we'll come on to, but um, nothing that soothing. No, no, I was not really looking at it. This <laughs> it's been it's been very punk centric, really. Yeah. So the first release came out early this year. First noteworthy album of the year, I'd say, when we both wrote about i wrote the review you interviewed the band shame with their debut album songs of praise that certainly did happen uh this is a really fun album i mean you talk to them about being lads in your interview but yeah. it's hard not to call them lads yeah i mean they're just so young we both see them live they're so like ridiculous on stage they're almost like they've come out of a high school uh, you know, secondary school talent show but they're actually good yeah like, really tight and uh um, their songs on Songs of Praise are just really fun, kind of anthemic rock. In my review, I compare them to kind of like Ride in a pub, in the back of a pub. Because mm. um, they do have like big, soaring kind of shoegaze almost songs. Mm. But then they come with this, uh, the singer, what's his name, Charlie Steen? Uh, yeah. Uh, he has this very Cockney voice, South London voice, and sings about, you know, prostitutes and things like that and it's kind of interesting yeah um what did you make of them when you met them what do you make of the album um so the i was like i guess it, without sounding as patronizing as this inevitably will sound i was pleasantly surprised um they were just really really nice down to earth guys so quite you know quite naive quite earnest really excitable but you know they've just like they're 20 you know is they're, they're kids basically um, and they were just they were really nice, very aware. They're very in, like um, informed about their music. Um, so they were citing a lot of bands like The Fall, um, Mark Marky Smith, R.I.P. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the sort of the weird art punk stuff that um, saturated UK punk in the <clears throat> in the eighties, the latter part of the seventies. Um, and interestingly, they. They both reviled and revered the lad rock of the noughties, like yeah. like the which which comes through a lot. Um, I make I mean my interview I give a sort of mini review at the end where I made the point that they are still very deferential to other influences. Like, yeah. um, at at times it does sound like an enemy compilation album, and I think is it Gold Hole where the opening riff is the spitting image to Fiddler's Cocaine, and it just bugs me every time I hear it. Really? Um, and it's like, and but they they're obviously very gifted, and I'm sure they're going to overcome that. I reckon this is going to be one of those bands where it's their second album that really sort of elevates them to, yeah, add like a seminal quality. Um, yeah, as Rob says, really fun. Um, yeah, because their immature immaturity still shines through in the lyrics, definitely. But he, as you, like reading the interview you did with them, definitely seems like they've got their heads screwed on, and they will mature into something quite exciting. Hopefully, yeah, yeah. I'm 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 sure about and if they like if. I think it will be good if they get a good producer in as well, who's... Because I feel like Songs of Prains at times can be a... Despite the fact how raucous they are on stage, the album 
at times can sound a bit overproduced, like um, it's a bit, a bit contained. So hopefully, if they get the right production team, then they can feel unshackled and probably go for something great in the, in the second time around. Yeah, and they're on Jag, Jaguar or Dead Oceans, I can't remember, which is quite an interesting. I thought they would sign to a British label. It's interesting they got picked up by yeah. an American one. Yeah, it's Jag Jag. Yeah. But anyway, whatever label they're on, they're in a good home for sure. Yep. They will hopefully curate them and take them to yeah. high levels and try oh, and yeah, catch them on tour. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They'll probably be at all the festivals this yeah. year. Probably just haven't mentioned them. Uh, definitely worth seeing. I think yep. you, you had a slightly different experience seeing them, but yeah. Well, I was I was absolutely battered and with my uh, girlfriend, and there was this weird moment where the guy, the the singer Charlie, was having a great time on stage, nodding his head, and then I turned around and then I turned back, and he'd like stripped off, and it was one of those weird surreal, uncanny moments. <laughs> yeah, um, when I saw them, he'd peeled off a layer after every song, and he came on with like his whole head covered in uh, uh, kitchen foil, like a mask. Which was interesting. So yeah, they're an interesting bunch of guys. Shame, songs of praise. So now check it out. Should we talk about next? Should we move on to Dream Wife? All right. And it's like a well, I've ever got shame or like the the lads, lads, lads. Then yeah. a Dream Wife offer a rebuttal and a very sort of dry, witted, uh, clever, badass. Uh, go power trio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I reviewed both of these albums, and yeah, I couldn't help but both talk about their youth in both of them mm. they that that is it's, it just rings out of their their riffs and their how effervescent they are and how energetic they are especially dream wife three young uh americans females uh who have songs like uh the last song in the album is called F-U-U which stands for fuck you up and it's like self-referential it's like I want to fuck you up and what do I I spy with my little like three bad bitches uh, it's like talking about themselves so I mean it's just like ridiculous things like that but they actually work because they've got extremely talented guitarist yeah. whose name I can't remember right now um and they just I don't know I, I, keep, I can't help but compare them to like a sugar rush when you listen to it because mm. it's just like absolutely straight to the dome uh, riffs and um, hooks and I mean they, they have a bit of a feminist bent to them especially mm. in songs like Somebody uh, with this refrain I am not my body I am somebody uh, and then there's just like really fun stuff like kids where they're talking about when they were kids and you know classic like looking yeah. back on your younger days uh, have you listened to this album much? Uh, I've listened to it once um, but yeah, I I really really liked it. Um, I think I just I just hear yeah, there's just like a, there's a poppiness to it. They really put the uh, that cliche. They put the pop in pop punk, where there's just rumbunctious hooks and um, really really like clever chord changes in there as well. As you say, the guitarists are really talented. The, the the star of the show, if you want to be that trite about it. Um, yeah. Although the singer is kind of trying to steal it because her voice is going to divide people. She has mm. like this kind of yelpy howling voice, which yeah. is 
kind of ear splitting, but in a good way, I mm. think. But I can definitely think some people would be really like turn mm. turn this off. They're kind of like I don't know, like a big bikini kill. Maybe some, yeah. some even some like Karen O. Yeah, the, well. the, the, um, one of our other writers on the site, Andy Johnston, compared it to Fever to Tell. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can definitely hear that Karen O. kind of influence in yeah. it as well. Yeah, but I, 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 yeah, as I say, a big fan. Another one that's very promising for the future, and I want to see them live. I bet they're great. Yeah, yeah. If they can pull off those songs live, then they're bound to be great. Yeah. So, Dream Wife, self-titled debut album. Check that out. one you want to talk about was cupcake yeah um so this is this is an interesting one um because i is proved weirdly i guess like understandably divisive given how unashamedly explicit um cupcake is in our lyrics most of our songs are about sex yes of so wait all kinds. i wanted to ask you about this she has a lot of song songs about sex lyrics yeah. about sex cupcake is spelt with two k's no i know what you're gonna say yeah is it spelt Cup khaki. Is it cup khaki like bukkake? Um I think I think so. I think it is. So yeah. let's stop calling it cup khaki. Okay, let's call it cup khaki. khaki. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds so ridiculous yeah. though. Yeah. It's anyway. funny. But I guess like that 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 name encapsulates her quite well though, because it's just mo- I'd say the production is fine, the production isn't great, it's pretty sort of standard for a like a mid mid tier rapper the 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 studio access she'd have. Um but it's all about her lyrics, her flow, her wordplay, um, which and like Cupcake is absolutely filthy, is disturbing, but it's also really compelling and funny and clever and and weirdly moving at times. Mm, she's um, got an amazing flow. Yeah, I think is that is it crayons um, that's about or no? Is it is self interview? Maybe one of the one of the songs is about. The, like, the hypocrisy of men being attracted by lesbians but being so offended by a gay couple um, and it's and it's stuff like that most of her songs are about like heterosex but then she also has some uh, uh, about LGBTQ sex about queer sex and it's it's just yeah it's just like a relentless pleasure um, I guess pun sort of is that pun is it's a relentless pleasure I guess yeah, yeah okay we'll just say that's a pun yeah okay got uh, well, what do you make of it Cup Khaki uh, I can't just I just can't get past that name I mean yeah all that you've said I haven't listened to it that much but yeah she's got an indomitable kind of flow the production does her services and to help her out with getting her message across I mean the album's called Ephorize what does that mean I have no idea Next up, 
Ty Siegel with his third January release in a row, Freedom's Goblin. Um, so this comes a year after his self-titled, which I absolutely loved and had in my top 20 of last year. Freedom's Goblin seems to be getting a lot of love. Uh, I gave it a 7.5 in my review, and I feel like I'm actually on the lower end of what the most people seem to think of it. Um, it's a double album like Manipulator from a few years ago, which I also love. Um, this one, 19 tracks, definitely could have lost four or five in my opinion. Uh, like, why do you need a Talking Three, which is a third version of a song that was on the self-titled, and then there was a second version on the Fried Shallot CP, and now there's Talking Three, which just sounds like a messier version. There's The Last Waltz, which just sounds like a complete piece of filler that has no no kind of redeeming features and he does a cover of everyone's a winner by hot chocolate which is actually pretty cool but i mean it could have been saved for live settings or saved for an offcuts album or something like that um having said that there's still at least a good hour of music on this including some of his best tracks ever like alta uh, the Main Pretender, My Lady's on Fire, which I think might be his best song ever, uh, Five Foot Tall, which is a ridiculous kind of ripping pop song, Fanny Dog, the ode to his dog, is the opening track. And uh, I compared this a couple of times in my review to the White Album and the way that it's like, it seems like it's different versions of Ty Siegel kind of coming together and making, putting different parts of an album together, kind of the way the Beatles put together the White Album. Um, and just like the White Album, there are some very forgettable, even regrettable tracks, but there's also some of the best songs he's ever done. And uh, I can't wait to see some of these live, like Alter and The Main Pretender. Um, so yeah, Freedom's Goblin. Oh, and the last song, And Good Night, is a kind of a, a cover of himself from his uh, his uh, acoustic album, Sleeper, from 2012, I think it was. Uh, uh, he's kind of made this into a 12-minute rock song, a uh, very epic kind of outro. So it's worth sitting through the album just to get to that, because it's amazing. Uh, you haven't got round to Ty Siegel yet, have you? I've not. Shall we move on? <laughs> <laughs> weapon yes this is one you brought to my attention i've only had one listen but i enjoyed it a lot. yeah uh, it's very much like my slipstream of the type of rap rap i like um where the production well i guess it's similar to cupcake cup khaki sorry <laughs> um where the production takes a back seat to the vocals and the lyrics yeah. um and it's not so much the lyrics. The lyrics aren't that interesting, but it's the flow and the way he manipulates language very cleverly. It's similar to like Open Mike Ego or Aesop yeah. Rock, um, who are two of my favourite rappers. Um, yeah, it is, and uh, there's quite, there's quite, it's quite political, and there's some weird, unexpected uh, guest spots. In yeah, that, that was like, the first thing I noticed uh, because before when you just told me the name Cadence Weapon, I was thinking something kind of aggressive with a name like that. Or it's a great name anyway, Cadence Weapon. Um, but then when I saw the track list with features like Dara Durian and Blue Hawaii, I was like, oh, this is going to be more of a kind of indie 
hip hop similar to Open Mike Eagle mm. or Milo, and it was kind of not as backpacker uh, mumble corey as them. It was a bit more polished than that. Mm. It was somewhere up, like in between that and the mainstream. I found yeah, yeah, um, which I enjoyed. I, mm. I like quite big hooks could imagine some of these songs on the radio yeah even. yeah I, I don't think he's necessarily that was like a deliberate thing i think he's just got a natural affinity for a, a catchy hook um but as i say it's the way his the way lines fold into each other the way he like the very effective internal rhymes and triple or quadruple rhymes he'll use in a in a verse and it's really it, yeah it's just really fun and th- there is a key thread through the album um, about like social dislocation and alienation, similar to Open Mike Eagle's um, album last year about like um, the brick body yeah. kids still daydream album about yeah. the kids from the the complexes, the yeah. housing complexes. Yeah, the idea of like gentrification and dislocation and everything. So it's, it's apparently it's something that's really affecting the um, the off kilter rap community, um, African American working class yeah. community. Who knew? Yeah, they were <laughs> no, of course. Um, but yeah, it's it's absolutely great. I think for for what it's worth, it's the best rap album of January that I've heard. Is this his first album? It's his second album. Okay. Um, his first, I I I'd not heard him before this album. I listened to his first album. It's quite messy. It's mm-hmm. very. It, it's this one is definitely a lot more polished and refined. Um, cool. Yeah, and more worthy as as hip hop album of January. Although yeah. JPEG Mafia, a lot of people. Talking about yeah, that, I've listened yeah, to that a bit. That's cool that, yeah. too. That is quite dark mm. and uh, not aggressive, but yeah, dark and brooding compared to this, which is very bright. Anyway, JPEG Mafia is a good one to check out too. When I'm on, niggas better see the type of shit I'm on. Got phones in my face when I sing my song. Gotta know when to say that it's been too long. First came through, now everything different. Back then I had a shot, now a nigga had to pivot. Don't you fool, stop blocking me. Ain't making moves, don't talk to me. This ain't back in the days now. Used to go another way, now I'm on another wave now. When the first album came out, saw me in the videos, used to thinking nigga strange now. Now I got my own lane now. Used to stay in that mode. So, Porches. It's his second? I think he had some old songs before. uh, Pool was his breakthrough from 2015. First for Domino and Porches, The House came out uh, in January, which is what what we're going to talk about. But I think, yeah, before those two albums, he had a lot of Bandcamp releases. I'm not sure if he had any actual releases, but they do have music that predates that. But anyway, The House, his second proper album, we'll call it that, for Domino. Aaron Main, songwriter, he writes kind of emotional uh, electro pop songs. And I liked Paul, his 2015 album, which everyone loved. Uh, but I love this one, which everyone only seems to be mediocre on. Mm. But I think like this one shows so much growth and kind of more of comes together as an album more for me with a bit of an arc. Lots of uh, very emotional, like even more slow and emotional songs like Country and With Longing and things like that. And then there's still the absolute bangers. I feel like the bangers on this bang more than anything did on his last album. Like Find Me, uh, By My Side, and uh, Anything You Want. Um, no, Anything You Want is another slow one. That's amazing as well. Um, and yeah, I think this is such an accomplished album from him. Like, what do you make of it? Yeah, I I'm, I guess I'm somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I think it's good. I wasn't massive on Pool. Like, I, I, I quite like Pool, and I think this is s- similar. Like I do really enjoy that 
the sort of the emo pop nature of his music and I think yeah. this is a as you say it's a progression like it's going to some different areas trying some different sounds and obviously yeah. the, the album form it's taken yeah. with the very short songs abridging um, the longer oh, ones the yeah. more substantial ones yeah, yeah I like that as well I feel like the album flows together as a nice piece Yeah, and I just like how it's really upbeat uh, musically but very sad sacky melancholy uh, vocally and lyrically I think he's made this interesting dichotomy out of it that works really well yeah I agree tell me what you want And then we'll talk about Shopping, the official body, third album from this London, well, they used to be from London. I think they've moved now, or at least one of them has. Trio, who make this kind of crazy, wacky, post-punk, uh, lots of noodly guitars and interesting panning effects that could kind of fuck with your brain a little bit while you listen to it. Yeah. But, uh, very shouty, alongy, catchy, I don't know. I'm making it. I'm, I feel like everything I say about it is diminutive because it is quite complex and yeah. thought-provoking music. music. But I think I, like, I guess that's the a benefit to the same time is that it is all those things, but it's also incredible. Like it, it's all very shouty and yappy, and like very um, the guitar chords are like what's they've like um, not reverb. What's that effect they use on it? What it's like, like the, yeah, um, and it's it's just really effective. Really, it is it is incredibly fun. There's bags of hooks. The, the the lyrics are that sort of like abstruse one-liners that don't really mean anything unless they you unless you want them to mean something in yeah, which case like, they do even like the title the official body yeah like it means nothing and it means a lot at the same time it yeah. sounds important it sounds yeah. political but what does that actually mean it could be anything I, 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 like, I've I think I'm, I've met the um, the band at End of the Road when they were just having a beer because one of my friends had spoken to them before and we very briefly chatted to them and they just seemed like slightly weird, nice people and I guess that just infiltrates into their music. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's 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 a very, very good album. I, I told you how I met the bassist when I was in my gap year yeah. when I was 19 before he was the bassist of shopping and I got him on Facebook and then one day this guy on Facebook turned out to be my fr- the bassist of shopping. I've, no, I've never met him in over 10 years now. But you were friends on Facebook. That's fair. Random good, fact. Good story. Good story. All right. No, it wasn't a good story. <laughs> That brings us on to our top three. Yeah, this is a new, the new uh, idea we had. Since we're going to do it monthly, we do like a top three monthly, just yes. in case you have to uh, digest what yes. what albums you have to do for listen to from the previous month. So we've given you a, a whole bunch of great albums so far, but these we've agreed mutually agreed upon are the top three of January. So if you're going to listen to any, these are the ones. Starting with number three. Nils Fram and All Melody. 
episode and Nils Fram is like a synth ambient synth master from Germany whose last album I can't remember oh he did solo just the piano one which is quite interesting did you listen mm, to that? yeah um, but he's more known for these kind of electronic soundscapes um, did you listen to his album called Spaces I from can't re- I can't remember uh, I mean I've listened to that a few times that was more of a, a precursor to, to um, All Melody the new one than Solo which is kind of an outlier in terms of it being quite simple and stripped down but also very beautiful mm. but coming back to All Melody seems to be him back in his comfort zone really y- using his whole imagination to put these make these broad electronic sculptures of sound with analog synthesizers plenty of patience uh, plenty of um, kind of organic sounding uh, lush um, pieces that all kind of flow together to make this whole thing. And although he is mainly a sy- using synth to create these things, when he does bring in other instruments, which he does very subtly and um, sparingly on this album like on human range i think might be the best song it has the the choral voices and a little bit of um what sounds like a trumpet or a coronet in it as well yeah and it's just and even those he uses like very um conservatively like like making them hold single notes almost like they are machines themselves kind of moving them up and down in pitch and and just adding them to this kind of layers of sound that he's made and i think it's a really stunning kind of piece of album that he's made in total it runs at 74 minutes same length as ty siegel but i feel like this one takes you on much more of a journey than that yeah why it's in our top three what do you think of it yeah i i, I think it's absolutely brilliant especially since you have a song like sun sun yeah which is just this gorgeous minimalist electronic piece and then you'll have really made it to piano and it, it just works really well it just it flows really naturally from something that's quite synth based towards a very like, acoustic baroque yeah um very austere piano yeah um and it's just it's very strong like passive listening but even if you want to actively listen you do you can really deconstruct like a very certain harm- harmonies of working to collaborating together um, I think it's yeah. I think it's really, really good. It's um, an album that's just like brimming with life. I yeah. mean, just looking at the track list gives you an idea of the kind of mindset or energy that it has. Like, it's very organic. Wants to be one with nature. Um, some of the tracks include like the whole universe wants to be touched. My friend, the forests, human range, kaleidoscope, harm, harm him, ends yeah. on. Which I don't know if you could really take a message out of an ambient album, but maybe he's trying to say something about you know climate change or something yeah. like that. Uh, with that having that as the final track, who knows? Could see that in the the chill out room at a rave. Yeah, have, have this album on. That'd Definitely. be quite. That'd be quite sweet. Uh, he'll be playing at End of the Road. I'll be curious to see. Uh, yeah, what, what, yeah. I mean, not End of the Road. Sorry, Primavera. Yeah. I'll be, so I'll be curious. And for, and uh, Field Day as well. Yeah. So. Where what kind of stage he'll play? What his set will be like? Barn. Barn, nine o'clock slot. Maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, I hope he gets one of the beside the sea spots for Primavera. Or the ins. I don't know if they still do the indoor stage or not. Anyway, that's our number three. Anything else yeah. to say on All Melody by Nils From? Nope. Let's move on. Definitely check it out there.
So number two, this is one we both have pieces about on the 405. You reviewed it. I interviewed them. It's No Age with Snares Like a Haircut. Absolute banger of an album. Um, So the first five years, they're no longer on sub. um, The old label. Sub um, pop. Yeah. Um, So they've got, they've, well, they've shifted down to a lesser known label. um, Drag City. Yeah. But I would say more revered yeah in, yeah, yeah. in the in music circle I guess yeah Sub Pop's still kind of cruising on that Nirvana fame yeah and then they also had like Wolf Parade and stuff around the turn of the century I mean I could talk about this for ages yeah. carry on no age but uh, and uh, after you know after five years they had, they had did one of them have a kid or was, like, both they of them have had kids have they? Yeah. So, yeah they've had like you know how there's two members in no age yeah which is significant when you listen to their music because it sounds like a lot more than two people yeah but that's got, something they kind of wanted to do from the day they started yeah. a band. Did they, like, did they use much loops? Yeah, they use a lot of samplers yeah. and loops and stuff, um, which is something we talked about when I spoke to uh, the guitarist, Randy Randall. Uh, I asked him about, because when you're listening to the new album, Snare's like a haircut, much like with their older albums, there's a lot beyond the, the guitars and the drums. There's a lot of sounds and loops, and I asked him about some of them, and he just says, yeah, we create like a sound palette of things they find or they make, they slow down instruments or they get samples from you know, elsewhere, and they put them on their, on their pads so that they can trigger them at certain points in the songs, and they become part of the songs, and the songs then sound like much more than two people are making them. And certain ones like there's like this kind of metal metallic slamming sound in in uh soft collar fad i think it is or maybe tidal uh, squashed has one as well yeah there's just so many parts where there's just like random crunchy sounds or just banging sounds that add a lot of momentum to the songs yeah. they're very physical songs uh if you're not familiar with no age they make like punk songs but with shoegaze guitars in a way yeah it's it's very they are very it's it's that weird thing where like on Arguably the biggest, uh, like the announcement album, Nouns in two thousand seven. Yeah. Um, they were like quite unabashedly just pure punk. They were just yeah. like noise punk. Whereas now they've sort of, and then they sort of diversified with their yeah. two subsequent albums, yeah. um, where it became there were a lot of like indie rock textures and songwriting cues in there. Um, and this one, it's it's its own beast. There's nothing really like like it's. The actual structures of the songs are quite pop punky, especially stuff like "Stuck in the Changer" and um, "Send Me." Um, "Send Me" is such a glorious song, uh, and as the, that the guitar in that is so nice. Yeah, uh, that's like the most anthemic. It's quite a slow song for them. I wouldn't call that punk at all. That's almost very dream pop, yeah. shoegazy, like classic. And he he talked about that in the interview. Play, he said they played that live for the first time on the day or the night before Trump's inauguration. And uh, it it kind of gave him this amazing feeling of like we're all we're all in this together. We're gonna be fucked, or we're gonna make it through together. And every time he plays that, he thinks back to that. And it is that kind of song that mm. can lift, take your imagination away. Um, uh, what else did he say oh, that I was gonna mention? Oh, we should mention the title "Snares Like a Haircut," yeah. uh, which is a great name. And there's a track on the album called "Snares Like a Haircut," which is one of one or two kind of interstitial instrumental pieces mm, yeah. and in snares like a haircut there's kind of these scissory chopping sounds so I thought that's where the name came from but it's not that apparently 
because they took this album on tour before they recorded it they had like lots of days driving around california in the vans and they listened to albums from all kinds of eras and they said that just by listening to the snare drum on a recorded album you can tell when it was from like the 80s have a very distinct sound the 90s 2000s obviously and it's just in the same way like if you look at a haircut in a picture you can tell what decade the picture was taken from the haircut so thus you have snares like a haircut that's, that's, that's how they got the name um I was, so i also asked him because they moved from sub pop to drag city that all their previous albums are available on spotify but this new one is not available on spotify which is frustrating because i really want to recommend it to everyone but they're like where can i hear it and you know the only place you can hear is apple music or buy it so maybe it's on youtube actually um so, and the same for ty siegel so I asked him, you know, do, is this a problem? And he said he trusts Drag City and he trusts their, he trusts their judgment. But I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's a massive disadvantage to not be on Spotify these days? I think it, it is and it isn't. So it is obviously a massive disadvantage in that you're not reaching as many people, especially new listeners. Yeah. Um, but it will also encourage fans and if you're a no age fan you probably will buy the album yeah you probably wouldn't but spotify it. You how are you gonna ca- how are you gonna get new fans like i i, I think that's the issue isn't it but like it's at, been four years or five years since the last album yeah, there's five. plenty of people now who don't know no age but who could like them from this new album that i want them to to recommend this album to them and you know there's no easy way, place for them to hear it because i'd say the vast majority of people i know who listen on spotify yeah um and it's not just No Age and Ty Siegel who are not getting the Spotify love. It's Jim O'Rourke and Bill Callahan and Joanna Newsom. Yeah. Uh, it's such an epic catalogue that Drag City have. And I'd really like to know what their reasons are for not being on Spotify when everyone else yeah. is. I mean, I, try, I have to defer to Randy Randall, who has to defer to the label. They must know what they're doing. I mean, they're pretty successful. They have an yeah. amazing roster, but I don't know just thought I would air my grievances about not being able to get enough people to yeah, listen to valid, this album valid. it's a fucking great album yeah um, so yeah. both of us have written about it read my yeah. interview with Randy Randall read my review yep snares like a haircut by no age we don't talk about it all lockdown I'd like to go down to the place we found to go and hide everywhere I and that brings us handily on to number one Jeff Rosenstock's post Jeff Rosenstock's post which actually came out on New Year's Day it did 1st uh, of January was it a surprise drop yeah yeah he didn't, didn't know where were you when you found out uh, I actually I was on the train back to London from Berwick, where I'd spent New Year's Eve with my girlfriend and another couple, which is very adult, very adult for very me. Adult. Yeah, where where were you when you found out? Uh, I was in LA with my friends. I think I was probably just on the on the sofa recovering from New Year's Eve, uh, just flicking through Twitter and pe- seeing people tweet about it. Um, and did you download it as soon as you got home? Yeah, I bought it. You bought it? I think I downloaded it illegally, I'm afraid to say. I should buy it. 
Well, I'm waiting for the vinyl. You could have you could have downloaded it for free on on Bandcamp. Oh, maybe that is what I did. Yeah. Was it? A, I, I gave was him. Was it a I name your price? Yeah. No minimum. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. I, I, I gave him. I gave him five quid. Yeah. When people put zero, I'm more likely to give them money. Yeah. Than if they put minimum five, then I'll give them the minimum. Yeah. I don't know. That's stupid, but yeah. that's but just psychology he, for you. He deserves it because he's an absolute legend. So, posts by Jeff Rosenstock follows up worry, and he's had albums before that as well, right? Yeah. I only um, have those two. So he has. Uh, Worry, and then he has one before that. Uh, I can't remember what it's called. That came out in 2015. Um, so he had, he, he had his old band, Bomb the Music Industry, and then he actually had his own label as well, which was the idea. Is like the music industry is all bullshit. Like he's very, his entire shtick, which he's very good at, is just to call out corporate bullshit. That's his thing. He did it on Worry about festivals and everything. Like the, the actual it, festival is it, the biggest hit from Worry and one of the best songs of 2016 in my mind, at least one of the best pop punk songs from 2016 is called Festival Song and it's just it's just calling out like the administrative bureaucratic bullshit which underpins festivals and I guess it's just come home to roost in the lineups from American festivals so far um, as well we're talking about earlier so it's actually that song's just become incredibly prescient um, but with Worry, the entire thing was about how he's entering his 30s and his mid-30s, late 30s, and all his best friends are having, getting married, having kids, settling down to like manager jobs in their uh, career, and he's still getting binned, getting high, and singing with his top off, and how like, insecure he feels about that. Um, Post is the Trump album, but yeah. it's I'd argue is one of the more ingenuous and effective Trump albums in that it's not some shallow you know uh, collectivist bullshit it's just a, la- a lashing out and a fretting an anxious fretting um, it's just it's like a like a cracked mirror re- reflection of you know, our actual feelings about it because we're we're anxious we're paranoid we're fucking scared um, but also incredibly angry, and it's the, the one of the songs is literally called "Powerlessness," which is something that comes through it. Um, yeah, but Rob, you were saying about USA. So USA is the first proper track on it, and it's probably the biggest and most. Ad- I mean, he's got eleven minutes song to close it, but half of that is kind of ambience. USA is this multi-part mini epic in a way that kind of sets the table for what's to come on the album in terms of you know how bedraggled he feels how disillusioned he feels with his government but how much he wants to you know rise up and rise above it and you know overcome these things and then as you go into the album you have songs like all this useless energy which kind of does exactly what it says it's kind of a a fast and frenetic song and uh melba is and there's plenty of Although he kind of has this, um, I would say he, his voice especially is kind of on the edge of hardcore. Like his, yeah. he, he's on tipping onto screaming, but never quite screams. While his songs are right, really catchy, good poppy songs. So it gives them this edge. So even like a a kind of um, song like Melba, which could be a kind of sweet song, still has this kind of um, I don't know. It, it cuts into you. Uh, my favorite song on the album is Nine Out of Ten. It just gets stuck in my head every time I listen mm. to it. Just a really sweet, uh, forlorn song. Nine out of time. Nine out of ten times. 
I'll be staying on the subway. Nine out of ten, I'll be thinking of you, whatever, however it goes. It's so sweet. Yeah. And then let them win brings it round. Like, the overall message is, you know, are we going to let them win? Fuck no. Kind of, you know, fuck the yeah. bad guys. Yeah, it's pretty yeah, simplistic, but exactly. effective. Yeah, it's very, yeah. Exactly. It's very effective. And there is a lot more to it than I'm not giving it, you know, mm. uh, enough. Um, I'm not doing it justice. There's his lyrically he's um you know he's very forceful and mm. to the point and uh combined with his big punchy uh, guitars it really leaves its mark mm. but there's also a lot of sophistication and like quiet subtlety to lyrics because it's very, i'd say they're not subtlety but they're very perceptive and they're very insightful um so like one and uh what like a lot of the the stuff is about the the feelings of anxiety and everything but it's not done as brunt but it's this weird um gray area he does very well between complete uh knock you knock you over directness and like um obdurate subtlety um he just finds that space where it it's you you can understand it completely clearly but it's articulated so well and so eloquently it's just really effective and it's just um the like the consistency across the record is stunning because every there's no there's no dud every song is great and valuable and the and there's such variety as you say there's the, the pop punk bangers like beating my head against the wall and all this useless energy versus the you know the the titus andronicus styled epic of usa and um the the sort of like Ballads of nine or ten and Melba and even yeah, TV stars. TV stars. Yeah, it's it just that sweet spot between pop punk and ballady kind of TV stars don't care about you. Yeah, that's what he's singing about. And then your your throat is like a, a callback to the ska, which typified his bomb the music industry days as of his initial band. Um, yeah, it's just a fucking great album, and it's yeah. definitely going to be in approaching like my what my albums of the year. We always say that, and then you get to the albums yeah. of the year time, and it's like shit. I need to fit fifty albums in my top twenty. Oh, but this this is gonna this 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 uh, this will last. It's a keeper. This is a keeper. I'm not sure about the other ones. Like I'd, I'd I I really like No Age, really like Cadence Weapon, but I'm not sure if they're gonna linger. But the, the, I think this will. So that brings us to the end of our albums wrap up. So our top three for January were Nils Fromm's All Melody, if you like ambient electronic stuff. No Ages, Snares Like a Haircut, if you like more punky or shoegazy stuff. And then Jeff Rosenstock's Post, if you're into like catchy rock, pop punk, slightly hardcore political stuff. Exactly. All very And everything we mentioned before that. Uh, any articles to shout out before we go? Uh Nothing that springs to mind. The one I want to point out is um, we need to talk about Turntables in Clubs by Gabriel Zatan on Resident Advisor. It's a long read. It's definitely not going to be interesting to everyone, especially if you don't go clubbing or you don't use turntables. But I don't know. I found it compelling. He talks to lots of interesting people in it, like Object. Uh, and I was surprised, apparently, the three 
well, the venues that got shout outs for being particularly good, one of them was um, the Pickle Factory. Have you been there yet? I've not, no. I've only been there once for Nogueras, and it's a weird space. I would not have expected it to be shouted out for being particularly good because it looks snazzy. It looks like someone's extension that they've just kind of stuck <laughs> some speakers in. But it did sound good. Uh, you're going there for, there for Keda Levansky, aren't you? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think yeah, I'm going to yeah. go to that too. Uh, yeah, so that brings us to the end of views from the 405 episode 8 I've been Rob Hakimian you can follow me on Twitter at Temporaryism and I'm Kieran Devlin you can follow me on No Not That Devlin Not That Devlin okay well uh, Devlin. Uh, th- yeah well I, I need to change that well thanks for listening and we'll see you in a month yeah. enjoy the albums